who it's me again it's five o'clock you care what the mainstream media says what's up fam you out there you listening
Indeed. God is in my story. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. Thanks for being here today. I really appreciate you all coming out and uh, hanging out with us today. Um, yeah, I'm struggling. It's good to see you guys out here today. Thank you for being here today and uh, keep the prayers coming. Um, yeah. How was your weekend, guys? Thanks for being here today. Do me a favor when you guys get a moment. Check out the website. Bookmark the website if you get a second. You can find everything you need there. How to get a hold of me. Where to find the podcast. A little bit about myself. Get yourself some cool t-shirts. How to contact me. Facebook, True Social. All that good stuff's on the website. You can find us online every Monday through Friday. 5 Eastern, 4 Central. Fox OD Live, Twitch, Rumble, Cloud Hub, and Tiger Network. Where you can find those live streams. YouTube, ban me. So be it. Help keep the lights on, cash app, PayPal, Patreon, and buy me a coffee, please. I could use your help. I appreciate you all very much. Or you can go to MyPillow.com backslash Abe, and you can get yourself some cool stuff, help support the show, help support Mike Lindell's election integrity efforts, and get yourself, if you need something, you know, for yourself. Best way to do it. So we appreciate you guys all out there today. Excuse me, working your way in here today. Tiger Network, how are you guys? Rumble? Is out there lurking and listening as well. Knocking my socks off first in the house. Chris and Politius, thank you guys for dropping all the links out there. God bless you, and thank you for the thoughts, prayers, and comments. Keeping me in your thoughts. I appreciate you guys very much. Much love. Pill crowds here. How you guys doing? Pill.net. First one in the house. Knocking my socks off over there, too. Thanks for being here today. As well as RP4L. Who cares? News. Always first in the house. Thanks, guys, for being here. Politius, thanks again. Um, keep trues in the house. God bless you. I hope all is well on your end. Uh, Politius, Daisy Chains, great to see you out there. Hope all is well. Um, Golden Lady, dropping a ship on me already. You're working and lurking. God bless you, uh, Golden Lady. Thank you for all you do. Yeah, so I was listening to that song several times today in the car. And, or heard it in the car and then got home last night and listened to it. And, yeah, um, hitting me hard. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I appreciate you guys all being here today. Uh, RP4L, back at you, my friends. Dolphin's in the house. Good to see you, Dolphin. I hope all is well on your end. Much love. Willow Lady, hope all is well. God bless you. And uh, PJs, as well as many others over there on pill.net, working your way here today. Do me a favor, though, if you can, drop, grab the link out of your favorite social media, or out of your favorite platform, drop it in your favorite social media, and tell someone to come hang out with us. I could really use your help, help them spread the word. That would be the most, that would be the best thing you could do for me. I appreciate that very much. Francis dropping a new sub on, on Twitch for me. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you for subbing. I appreciate that. Brian's in the house. Good to see you, my friend. Who cares? As well as Chris over there taking care of the mod uh, duties, as always. Um, I don't know if we should. I, I'm hoping that the mods, everything's going okay with the mod stuff. Um, I appreciate you guys very much. If there's anything, I'm sure you guys will work it out between the two of you. I appreciate you guys very much. D-Lives lurking and listening as well as many others out there. Thanks for being here today, guys. Much love and God bless you all. You're hiking? Ah, Nice. Have a great walk. Uh, yeah, I love that song. I, I really, that's one of my favorites uh, from the Christian channel. There's a great Christian channel that I've been listening to around here. Texas, record, thank you. 
you for coming on. We always appreciate your time. I want to bookend what Hillary Vaughn was just saying there because she was kind of reading a response there from the DOJ um, to the House uh, Oversight Committee. And this is the DOJ letter to Senators Mark Warner and Marco Rubio. And it deals with special counsel and that the fact they've been hiding behind them. Although one of the special counsels would have, was appointed only on January 12th, prosecutors on both matters are actively working to enable sharing information with the committee. And again, it's one more time where they say, well, we can't really say anything because we got these special counsels and we have to give them, you know, we have to give them a chance to really dig through this stuff. It's a timing thing. It's a waiting thing. And by saying, well, it's only on January 12th these people were appointed, they're trying to buy more time. Well, Trace, everything that the DOJ um, says would have made sense if they didn't act differently after the raid at Mar-a-Lago uh, with President Trump. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, now DOJ and, and the FBI don't want to share information with Congress. But remember, after um, the raid of President Trump and the execution of the search warrant, um, it was DOJ and, FBA and, and, and the FBI that leaked um, photographs of classified documents, leaked information about what was in classified documents, uh, the result of their search that showed up in all sorts of mm -hmm. um, news stories. Um, uh, that information only could come from DOJ. And of course, you know, there was a special counsel uh, appointed in that matter early on. So you have to ask yourself, Trace, what changed? And I think what yeah. changed is um, uh, the fact that now there are two special counsels and the fact that they didn't think that there was ever going to be a side-by-side -side comparison uh, with Donald Trump. They thought this prosecution yeah. and what they were doing uh, would be would stand on its own. And then subsequently, of course, we've had the developments with, with uh, President Biden uh, and his actions as vice president and as yeah. senator, frankly, that were, that were more alarming and raised more questions. So, you know, the DOJ and the FBI, for that matter, really have, a, have an issue with the perception that they're now applying the law differently and they're taking a different approach to sharing information that they were willing to take six months ago. And I'd like to get your, your take on, you know, some of the newer information we're getting. We're learning that President Biden's notebooks found inside his Delaware home might also have classified material on them, kind of a drip, drip, drip. And beyond that, there's hundreds and hundreds of boxes at the University of Delaware that, that will not be released. So here's why that's important, Trace. Um, first, um, the, the notebooks um, themselves could contain classified information. So I have information um, from my time as DNI that, um, that I still remember. If I were to write that down on a piece of paper, that may create in and of itself a classified document. So that's why those um, notebooks would be important is, did he record classified information? And if so, for mm -hmm. what purpose? Which gets to the second point that's, um, that I think DOJ and FBI, or in this case, a special counsel would be looking at, which is, you know, it's been disclosed that Hunter Biden wrote a very detailed email um, before being appointed to the Burisma board um, that had detailed analysis, geopolitical analysis, economic analysis, military analysis related to Ukraine um, that many speculate is based on classified information. And so what we'll do is see whether there are fragments from Hunter Biden's yeah. email or fragments from Joe Biden's notebooks that match actual classified documents that are known to exist. So I imagine that that, um, that that search and analysis is taking place and may actually be driving some of what um, uh, the, the, the certain position that um, DOJ is now expressing so differently than they did six months ago. And, and the information could be fascinating, but you need all the pieces of the puzzle to actually put.
So, I don't know. It, it, it does appear like there's a lot more to these classified document story out there than meets the eye. I've been kind of letting it simmer, you know, letting it. It's just, it's, it's, it's all the media wants to talk about. You know what I'm saying? So, it's just, I don't know, man. Um, Carly's got a bunch of Joe Biden stuff, whatever. Fuck that clown dude. Um, let's see what Jonathan Turley had to say on this. I'm, I'm trying to hear more perspective on this, this document stuff because the media reporting on it has just been completely shoddy and the alternative media, um, version of it has been even more shoddy. So I haven't, as you guys know, I just been staying, stepping back from it all and just kind of letting it play itself out. Um, you know, right? What else are we supposed to do with this stuff? Everyone's jumping to conclusions, making assumptions. It's obviously this. It's obviously that. You know, including people that we trust. And I just, I, I'm just trying to let it play itself out. And and as more real news comes out from it, then we'll talk about it more. But um, let's see what Jonathan Turley has to say. The investigation goes on into classified documents found in various locations uh, throughout the Mid-Atlantic region uh, in the possession of Joe Biden. Now there are growing calls for the University of Delaware to open up the doors on the so-called lockbox of all of the documents, 1,850 boxes worth from his time in the Senate. Can we, can we make the logical assumption that if there were classified documents found in his possession at his home in Delaware from his time as senator, there just might be one or two at the University of Delaware. Well, John, we know that the risk is obviously uh, clear. You know, you have a president who appears as senator to have removed material while he was a member of the Senate that was classified. Uh, we also have heard reports that he wrote classified material into notebooks that were also seized. Uh, there is a huge trove of documents uh, from that period sitting at the University of Delaware. Some of us have been highly critical of this relationship. The Bidens effectively converted this university uh, into a, a giant safety deposit box. Uh, you know, universities are supposed to be places of higher learning. They're supposed to be places for access to information. But the Bidens have converted the University of Delaware into this lockbox. And it's astonishing to me that the university has allowed itself to be used for these purposes. People have been trying to get access to those documents on issues including alleged sexual assault or mm. harassment allegations from Biden's period in the Senate. We now have the possibility that they could contain classified information. But the university has continued to stonewall. They've actually spent public money to resist efforts of the media to gain access to these documents. Yeah, you wrote about this in the New York Post. You also sent out a tweet about it in which you said, quote, uh, presumably this is the one question that Corrine Jean-Pierre could actually answer. If the president is truly striving to be very transparent, he should be able to tell the University of Delaware that his records should be open to outside review. How long are these things going to stay, Jonathan, in a lockbox before they're eventually released? Well, that's what's bizarre, is that the university's not even trying to come up with a plausible rationale, in my view. You know, they are really focusing on technical exceptions to state disclosure laws. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you have Jean-Pierre, who has said repeatedly, the president wants transparency, and that's a virtual mantra. 
Well, okay, you know, this is the president who said you can take the word of a Biden. All right, let's take it. You know, he wants transparency. Then he can pick up the phone and in 30 seconds open up those files for review. Even yeah. if he's unwilling to do that after so many years, he could at least allow an independent third party to look for specific files on things like sexual harassment. Mm -hmm. Certainly could allow the FBI to look for classified material. John, I, we've got less than a minute left, but I want to ask you this question quickly. We, we know that crime is rampant in New York City. Criminals are being let out in the streets. Yet, we learned today that Alvin Bragg's office, the Manhattan District Attorney, is presenting evidence to a grand jury regarding the payments to Stormy Daniels back in 2016. Your thoughts? Right. Well, he's received a lot of pressure on this. He, he at, w at one point, he was walking away and faced a revolt on his staff, but also among New Yorkers. And keep in mind, this was originally a federal crime mm -hmm. that was being investigated. The feds decided not to charge it. It's often a misdemeanor. This is a very long distance to go. It's like go for Bragg to go to the Bronx by way of Boise. I mean, this has taken a lot of effort to pursue something that's usually a misdemeanor. All right, Jonathan Charlie Forrest with his latest legal thoughts. Thanks, John. All right, so there you go. There's the latest on uh, from a couple people that um, you know at least I respect, and you know they seem to think that there's more here than meets the eye as well. So I'll try to keep an eye on you know if I see anything interesting coming out of it. But you know, being that it's classified documents, what's what are we going to learn on this, right? What are we really going to learn about all of this? And um, you know, with the special counsel being appointed and, and the rest, it just it, it looks like a giant cover up to me. And I just don't have any confidence in this Justice Department to really help people hold people accountable. But we'll see um, and we'll we'll watch it together, I guess. Um, so, yeah. Um, yes. If you would like to find all of the links to the show, um, just check out the website on censoredave.com. It takes uh, about two seconds to anyways. Um no, I don't want to quit. I don't, I, but I don't think I can do this. Like the, in the current situation, I got rent coming up in, th in next week. I got over a thousand dollars in back bills that I haven't been able to pay because of all the, the mess of everything. And, it, and it's just, I'm going to end up, you know, losing everything that that's the trajectory that this is going on. You know, I put all of my father's inheritance into my family's future, believing that there was, that we had a future together, that there was much more than, than just uh, superficial. And, um, you know, it, it, it left me royally fucked. And I, and I don't tell you guys about it because I don't want to sit here and talk about fucking whining about money all the fucking time. But I'm going to lose it all. I'm going to lose it all. And then you got the, the childish cancel culture fucking bullshit happening out there that just makes it worse, man. It just never, it's never fucking ending. You know, it, it's bad enough to have big tech destroy any semblance of, of, a, of a business with 5% of my total income because of shadow banning, dehumanizing, fucking whatever. Go ahead. Might as fucking well.
different churches. churches, our commerce, everything. They had, they had no clue what the fuck they were talking about. I wrote the song out of fucking sheer frustration.
the only one do me a favor um give me a five by five please my obs crashed and reset itself so figured instead of tossing tables here in front of you i'll um quick song to play while we try to get the refresh going and the restart going um thank you all for the thoughts loves and prayers um i just don't know man I don't know if I can do it. This was this was never um, <clears throat> this this business plan was never meant to be a money making endeavor. This business plan was to do the absolute minimum fundraising and <clears throat> talk about money and um and and fight for the truth and try to you know try to bring a perspective that. I think um, you guys come here for, and it's just been, I don't think I can, I don't know. It's not good, man. It's really not good. And, and you know, I, basically I got to survive another month, you know, and then the end of February is when I'm going to find out, you know, right after Valentine's Day. That'll be a fun day too, just like Christmas and New Year's was. But, um... You know, at that, I got to survive a month and I don't know if I can even do that and pay a freaking water bill that came out of nowhere today, $150 water bill before that gets shut off. <clears throat> Internet's getting ready to get shut off. I don't know, man. 
you know, the budget's there, the money's there. It's just, you know, trying to, um, to recover from everything is just not, it's not working, man. And I don't know what else to do. Fucking trucks falling apart. You know, I got to borrow, I got to borrow cars so I can get to places. And, and meanwhile, my car, my house, my fucking money. Popcorn Q, thank you. Golden Lady, thanks again. Fruit Bat, the bar. Mardo, thank you. Who cares? Fruit Bat, Sean Joe, Bitch Tori, and Golden Lady. You guys, this is why I don't want to do a show like this. Thank you, though. Thank you. I mean, there's no... There's no talking, right? There's there's no words. There's no experiences. There's no, there's nothing. When you guys learn how freaking brutal this has been for me and how it's going to be even more brutal for, for her and the family once the truth comes out, it's pure evil, man. You guys remember, you know, the week before the pit and I was just, I was getting all these weird spiritual attacks and stuff. And I couldn't, and like, re, like all of a sudden I just randomly like break down on stream and everyone's like, what the fuck? Why is Abe? What's wrong with Abe? And, and you, there was so much, it, it, there's so much to the story and it's beyond evil and it's beyond heartbreaking. And I don't, I just don't even know if, you know, Yeah, go ahead and crash again. There we go. There we go, OBS. Yes, please crash again. That'd be great. That'd be great if you could just go ahead and um, we'll just go ahead and wrap the show up today. AEB's putting a bunch of stuff up on about Twitter, about another file coming out. You've got uh, a way to walk us through this. There's some explosive news about to come out, and I'll turn it over to you for that. Cash, the author of Government Gangsters. Thanks so much. Yeah, governmentgangsters.com, pre-sale. We're going to get this book out. But um, look, there's two sets of text messages that they wanted buried that we got out during the Russiagate investigation that never saw the light of day. But we've got the receipts. The War Room posse has them. I hope they push them out to everyone that's watching. First set. Senator Mark Warner, the vice chair of the House Intelligence Committee in 2016 and 17, as the, one of the senior most intelligence officials in Congress, his text messages were publicized because we caught them and they are now out there. You know who he's texting? The lobbyists for Oleg Deripaska and Christopher Steele. Yup. You just can't make this stuff up. Why is the intel chair subpoenaing the, or, or begging to meet with these foreign assets that's exactly what they are. And remind you guys, Deripaska is a criminally sanctioned individual who is under criminal prosecution in America. Mark Warner is caught red-handed begging their lobbyists for a meeting and introductions and conversations with these guys in the middle of the Russiagate investigation. And remember the Senate Intel Committee report differed from the Russiagate report? Well, now I wonder why. These questions have to be answered. I hope you guys read these text messages. I mean, I'm just to put it into context, Steve. What if a guy named Devin Nunes, who was chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, was caught in 2017 while running Russiagate, text messaging a sanctioned 
uh, a, a lobbyist for a sanctioned oligarch from Russia, and Christopher Steele, the author of the Russiagate hoax narrative. We would not even be having this conversation right now as to why Mark Warner hasn't answered these questions, but it gets worse. Chris, thank you. Just your prayers is all I need, Chris. Thank you. The second set of text messages we're talking about that are public are, of course, from the lover, Strzok. Uh, Strzok is caught texting McGonagall. Remember how we said on, on War Room that McGonagall and Strzok are best friends, and they were partnered in the Criminal Intelligence Division together, uh, counterintelligence, excuse me, to run the Russiagate hoax. Specifically, there's a text message that we, we have given the War Room posse, and hopefully they're putting that one out too, that says they are talking about the DNC server hack and how they're going to run that narrative. We have known the entire time the DNC server hack narrative was run by CrowdStrike falsely, and the FBI didn't want to do its job because they didn't want the questions asked and answered to disprove that it had nothing to do with the Russian hack. These guys, it is no coincidence that McGonagall, remember, got paid a quarter million dollars by guess who? Oleg Deripaska, the same guy that Senator Warner was begging to have a meeting with in 2017, the same guy McGonagall who was running the Russiagate investigation and the DNC hack narrative for Peter Strzok is now charged federally for essentially being, for violating the Espionage Act, but they charged him with money laundering, for being on the payroll of the Russian government. And as, if that's not worse, we know Strzok could never keep it in his pants. Now breaking news. Also, McGonagall, while head of the CI division at the FBI, was having affairs outside of the FBI and subjecting himself to national security violations while conducting what was supposed to have been the most above-board uh, investigation in FBI history. How do we know the, the last part about the about the affairs outside the agency? Is that is, where do you get that information from? Those receipts. Yeah, sorry, I, I didn't send you those receipts, but we got them. It's been um, publicized. The actual person he was sleeping with went to the media, and he's all but admitted it. And um, I was a. Uh, it was not an FBI wow. employee, at least the one we know about. But I'll get that to you. I wouldn't have said it if we don't have it. I thought. But so, but, uh, but, so, but 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 still but still opens himself up to uh, to opens himself up to blackmail. Um, what, and just tell our audience when do you think this will kick into high gear, and on what, will this be the weaponization of government um, uh, committee that this will, the investigation will come of this? You think judiciary may take some of this oversight? Where do you think this will fall out to get to the bottom of all of this aspect of it? No, that's a great question. And I think I've, this is what I've told these committees. It's got to go to the weaponization committee because that's why it was created. That's who has the mandate. And these other committees can't fight over over the food on the table. We got to parse it out. We got to say, hey, Homeland Security, you do the border. We got to say, hey, Health and Human Service Committee, you do Fauci. And then DOJ, FBI, weaponization, intel, all go to the weaponization of government committee. And you got to run hard. And you have to promise that every document you get under subpoena um, you put out there. They can't all try to do the same thing. It happens too, uh, too often because Congress gets too eager. And I think you're going to know, Steve, within a week or two, you're going to know if they're, if they're serious yeah. about these investigations. I, 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 okay, I'm going to get to I think they've worked out the jurisdictional. I think that's why they had the meeting in Amelia Island. Yeah. I think they came back. That's why they had the big meeting. And I think they brought McCarthy in for the final sign-off. So everybody's got their vertical. What would cash, when you say a couple, so let's assume for purposes of discussion that they've been able to work out the different verticals of these. And this, is, I also think, is why um, Jordan, quite frankly, didn't want to be speaker. This is obvious. Yeah. 
that he wanted actually not just the chair of judiciary with everything they're working on. He also then wants to chair uh, the subcommittee. In your mind, what, what, if right now, tell, we're talking to the audience, when do you think subpoenas and, and, and letters ought to be flying to make sure we're putting these people on notice? Uh, what's the time frame of that? And if it's not happening within that time frame, we should be worried that once again we're going to go down the route of Benghazi, sir. Yeah, well, so Jordan's a perfect example, and he's moved methodically. He sent letters. Even though the January 6th committee went straight to subpoenas, Jim Jordan is still a professional. He sent letters to every witness and every agency saying, you're coming in or we're going to use compulsory process. We already have responses from the White House and DOJ saying they're not going to answer. And then he's going to send subpoenas. Those subpoenas have to go out this week. He has tried to be a professional and handle it above board. These folks, these government gangsters don't want to do that. So the subpoenas have to go out this week. They got to start going out this week. They don't all have to go out once, but FBI, DOJ, documents, witnesses this week. Next week, we set a hard deadline. That's what should happen. Ten days out from, this, from the notice of the subpoena. And then when they violate it, we got to go to inherent, inherent contempt of Congress powers, and we got to go to the lever that takes their money by the fencing process. So it's about a two-week process from when the subpoenas go out to when you get into the when you really start to throttle down on these guys, and we'll know if our boys are serious. Um, but it's got to go to the weaponization committee. It's the only place it can start right now. Homeland can take the border, like I said. That's a big investigation of itself. And the health committee can take Fauci. That's a massive investigation of itself. Steve, if we do these three investigations even moderately right, it will be a monster win for accountability, and it will be an annihilation of the government gangster posse. Uh, how do people get the book? How do they follow you on social media right now? So these guys are still, you know, they're still trying to let us know there's more of this than meets the eye. So. It's going to be a, a, an interesting year of a bunch of uh, investigations, and I guess we'll cover it all. Um, yeah, evil has no power over me. But quite clearly, evil has plenty of power over my family. And um, it's quite frankly been three months of torture. So... Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing. Fruit Pat, Popcorn, and Q, we stand with you. We know you're not a quitter. Stay in the fight. Brighter days ahead. I, I, it's not a matter of if, if, if I want to quit or not. I do not want. I want to keep doing this for the rest of my life. I do. I love, I love being around you guys. I love streaming. I love bringing you guys different perspectives and bringing you information that is uh, not being talked about very much in most corners of the Internet. I absolutely love it, but <laughs> it ain't looking good. I'll just put it that way. It ain't looking good. Not the way things are currently going. DJ Camp, JD Rich, Beth, thank you. All everyone else over there on Rumble, much love, guys. I'm, yeah, it's been a rough weekend. It's been a rough three months. I'm just doing my best. Doing my best. Um, hey, Red Hummingbird. Um, uh, blindsided by a divorce after 30 years, if you haven't heard. And um, it was one day returning from the pit and giving a giant hug and a kiss. And then the next day, goodbye. No explanation, no nothing. Just I haven't talked to her in, since that day. So, you know. 
It's not as if it's just, all right, divorce, cool. And then on top of it, it's, it's much worse than that. It's, it's much worse. But anyways, back to the, back to the show. My OBS is still kind of bouncing here and there a little bit. So hopefully it'll hold through here. Thanks for being here today, guys. Uh, I was hanging out with Joe, my bro, Joe this weekend. Um, and he popped this up was pretty interesting. Harmeet was talking about this and I truth this out yesterday. Daisy change. Thank you. I feel your guys' prayers. It's, it's helping. Thank you. Um, Harmeet was talking about this, uh, this weekend and it's a very important story from 2018 and it didn't get much attention. So I need you guys to help spread the word on this. But in 2018, a decades old consent decree was lifted after uh, against the RNC's ballot security measures. A decades old consent decree has been lifted against the Republican national committee so-called ballot security measures. It's a big victory for the RNC's efforts to monitor polling activity and a sobering moment for activists who fear this could accelerate voter suppression, especially among minorities. Of course, voter suppression. The 11 months before election day in 2018, a federal judge has given the RNC committee a big win. He allowed a consent decree to expire that was in place since 1982. That agreement prevented the RNC from carrying out what the party saw as ballot security measures and what critics deem as voter suppression. Rick Hansen of the University of California uh, had a discussion with them about it. I ain't going to even cover it because they're just going to go the angle of voter suppression if you dare have the people voting actually be voters, you know, legitimate voters. That's Can't have that. Not in our world. But the reason why Harmeet has been so... Um, the reason why Harmeet has been so um, important in this fight for RNC and bringing awareness to the things in RNC is because she gets it, number one. I guess she's going to be talking with Rana today to try to, um, you know, to try to get some, some changes done to the, to the way the RNC does something. But this was lifted in 2018 in order to monitor polling activity and the ability to have real-time polling data in 2018. And the RNC since then has done nothing to bolster ballot security measures or anything, including the time of Ronald McDaniel. So hopefully Harmeet can bring more attention to this issue and we can beat them at their own game. Because it's quite obvious that if we don't play their game in elections... You know, with with as much legal uh, uh, loopholes as they are using, if we don't use the same legal loopholes in the same game that the DNC is playing, it's fucking over, man. Harmeet's on point. You got to beat them at their own game, and you got to have lawyers ready. You got to have you got to have ability to counter their efforts and nothing's been done since 2018 when this ballot security measure bullshit was lifted. So I love you back, man. It's just been, you know, it's been three months and it's getting worse. It's not better. 
I, I can't even see my grandkids. My kids fucking hate me because my because of lies. And then you got all the dumb fucking ons out there running their fucking mouths. Anyways, I'm just going to stay focused here, guys, and I'm going to keep going. Do me a favor and help spread the word about this bullshit out there happening. Fraudsters likely stole at least $60 billion in pandemic unemployment benefits. DOJ doing anything on this front? No. Garland's a little busy with uh, domestic terrorists. And not the ones that are actually domestic terrorists. The report arrived, arrived one week before the House GOP intends to launch an investigation into pandemic-related benefits fraud. So, that's coming, too. Department of Labor staffers were overwhelmed by 57 million initial unemployment claims within the first five months of March of 2020. And... $60 billion later after money has been issued, they want to do an investigation now. So, boy, I tell you, you guys know anybody out there that uh, scammed pandemic funds, you want to tell them to uh, keep a little extra money in their bank account because uh, they're going to be paying that shit back. Stand by for that. Speaking of uh, domestic terrorists, good. These proud boys are insurrectionists. Says just human, I'm glad they're going to be spending the rest of their lives in jail. This happened. Ethan Nordine's attorney reveals that prosecutors filed a sealed motion last night. This was this was on the 29th, so this is yesterday. Middle of the weekend, right? Shh, don't tell anybody. Asking the judge to restrict defense questions about FBI confidential human sources ahead of their, and their involvement in the group ahead of January 6th. Back at you, smile poker. I love you guys back. The relief sought by the government's motion to restrict all confidential human source cross-examination is unconstitutional, unprecedented, unnecessary, vague, and the motion is improperly sealed. On Saturday, January 28th, the government filed an under-seal motion to limit cross-examination related to confidential human source matters. Summarize the request relief as follows. Well, they're going to, it's going to be embarrassing for the government. So we don't want it to happen. There's your freaking excuse. FBI confidential sources were with the Proud Boys during their march. And some of the group's telegram, telegram channels, says Nordine's counsel. All this unprecedented nonsense ascending to the government's anomalous demands. For secrecy in a public trial would result in reversible error, no less in the case of its misguided impeachment arguments. The government's witness list has named nearly half a dozen case agents involved with this investigation, including Brandon Camillier, Catherine Camillier, Peter Dabrowski, Nicholas Hannock, and Nicole Miller. Unlike seizing agents, case agents are 
not just empowered, but duty-bound to be familiar with the investigation, its history, and its progress, even if the FBI's records management system, the identifies the identities of the confidential human sources are generally known to their handling agents and their supervisors, a fact that the government provides no supporting evidence, the, the defense at the very least has a good faith basis to believe that the case agents here have acquired the foundational ability to address pertinent questions pertaining to confidential human sources in the many months since the first confidential human source was disclosed to the defense. And even if those agents are still somehow unaware of the legal names of confidential human sources, despite the fact that the U.S. Attorney's Office has had knowledge of them for perhaps a year or longer, the agents are still competent to field relevant related questions such as those concerning the authenticity and the meaning of FBI records establishing that certain confidential human sources were indeed present with the Proud Boys group on the march and in the Proud Boys Telegram channels. Has uh, my friend Kyle figured it out yet that the Department of Justice is not doesn't have a legitimate investigation into January 6th happening yet? I hope he has. Maybe he'll stop smearing good people's names. This from Tom Elliott. We'll get to that here in just a moment at the top of the hour here. I got lots to get to, and now because the stream's a giant disaster... I don't even know why you're still here. Anyways, thanks guys for being here. Um, I'd rather stand with God than be judged by men. Amen to that. And that's why that song I, I led the, the show off with God is in my story because that's part of it. Because God is in my story. God has changed me in ways that I never thought was even possible. And I've, I've never been more in touch or better. Um, I had a better relationship um, with with God than I've ever had. Never been a better person as far as who I who I strive to be. And in the meantime, evil everywhere. Thank you all for being here today. Yes, please do hit that thumbs up button. I appreciate that very much over there on Rumble. Thanks, guys, for lurking and listening today. Everyone over there on pill.net, thanks, guys. We're at the top of the hour here already. Daisy Chains, thank you. Fruit Bat, Popcorn Q. Quintinson, I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Golden Lady, Fruit Bat the Bar. Thank you, guys. You guys are amazing. Thank you all very much. All right. Um, how you guys doing over there on Twitch? I'll be praying, too. God has you. Something good will come to you. I hope so. Because <laughs> um, I already lost everything once thanks to the, um, the uh, housing crisis. And then I worked for about six years very hard to make sure that my wife's credit was top-notch so that she wasn't ever going to be trapped by a financial situation ever again. And then once she became to a point where um, I had got her to where she was definitely self, um, definitely, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's not a matter as if I want to step away, bro. It's, um, it's, it's just not, I don't know if I can keep this business model like this. It's either I'm going to have to change the business model completely or it's going to end. So it's kind of where it's at, man. I got to do something quick. 
I might have to I might have to reach out to Gretchen maybe to see if I can at least get my my utilities paid maybe. I don't know, dude. I don't know what I'm gonna do. But um I don't know. Anyways, um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely would be interested in working for myself, bro. I mean, that's what I'm doing right now, right? <laughs> so, you know, it's just a matter of what, doing what, and and whatever. So, anyways, guys, um, hey, Fallen, good to see you, man. Um, <clears throat> we uh, we tried to do a show with Jay Saturday night. It, it turned out all right, right? We had some good information, a good discussion. Um, and, uh, so I, I, I enjoyed it very much and I appreciate you guys, um, trying to lift up others in this movement as well. So Jay Bell and, and Fallen, if you guys missed that Saturday night, we ended up doing it on my channel cause, uh, apparently the internet and the rest is just a giant disaster for everybody. Nothing wants to work anymore. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> all right. Um, over at the top of the hour, thanks again for all your love, thought, support and prayers. Sorry about a disjointed Monday again. It's, uh, I don't know, man, it's. Let me get this thread in. Bill Gates said he had a uh, dinner with uh, Jeffrey Epstein and that's all. Look at this freaking smug piece of shit. Now, one of the issues that's dogged you is, is that of your relationship with Jeffrey. Nothing ever wants to fucking work because, you know, nothing's compatible with anything. I can't have anything. I can't have anything. You think I could do anything around here? Do you regret the relationship that you maintained with him against Melinda's advice and wishes? Oh, I've said that I'm, I mean, this is, you're going way back in mm -hmm. time. But yeah, I, New audience. I will say for the, you know, oh, over 100th time, yeah, I shouldn't have had uh, dinners with him. Um, Epstein had a way of sexually compromising people. Is that what Melinda was warning you about? No. I mean, it, it's... No, I, I had dinner with him, uh, and that's all. And that you regret the relationship, the acquaintance? That I had dinner with him. Mm. And, and the relationship between the Foundation and Epstein, which There was... never was any relationship of any kind. Um, now one of the issues... Oh, fucking shit. Lying straight to his fucking teeth like always. Here's the real story between Epstein and Gates. Credit to Whitney Webb and her book, One Nation Under Blackmail. Epstein has made millions out of business links with the likes of Bill Gates. 2001 Evening Standard article. While working in 95 and 96, Epstein victim Maria Farmer said Epstein described Gates as a close friend. In the late 1990s, Microsoft was in business with two separate businesses run by Ghislaine Maxwell's sisters, Magellan and Comtouch, the latter of which Gates was personally invested in. Gates' former chief tech, tech, uh, technology officer and co-author of The Road Ahead, Nathan Mirvold, was a passenger on the Lolita Express at least twice, and he stayed regularly at Epstein's houses and organized an Epstein trip to Russia meant to help its nuclear program with U.S. supercomputers. In 2006, Gates hired Melanie Walker to serve as a senior program officer for the Gates Foundation. Previously, she had been Jeffrey Epstein's science advisor. 
but began her career with him in 1992 after he proposed helping her become a Victoria's Secret model. Surprise, surprise. Anybody done the Victoria's Secret dig? Human trafficking and models? Walker introduced Gates science advisor Boris Nikolic to Epstein in 2013. Epstein, Gates, and Nikolic attended an event together with then J.P. Morgan, Larry Summers. Nikolic was listed as the successor executor of Epstein's estate, though he declined after it became public. In 2014, Epstein directed Gates to invest $2 million to MIT's Media Lab, which happened after a Microsoft VP introduced MIT's Media Lab Joy uh, Joelito, I think that's what that is, who helped Epstein after his first arrest. In 2013, Bill and Melinda Gates attended an event at Epstein's New York City home, after which Melinda began cons- counseling Bill to sever his Epstein connections. Gates dined with Epstein in 2014 to discuss their collaborative philanthropy. Soon after the Clinton Global Initiative, Gates began one of his main benefactors, announcing Hillary's No Ceilings Initiative. Epstein's philanthropy is closely tied with both the Gates and CGI. Epstein was working with the Gates Foundation to create a partnership with J.P. Morgan for its Global Health Charitable Fund, from which Epstein would have received fees. Gates and Epstein, uh, Gates said Epstein was his ticket to winning the Nobel Prize. Per his ex-staffer to the Daily Beast, Norwegian media have reported uh, Gates and Epstein met personally with the Nobel Committee. I've just cribbed uh, Chapter 20 of Whitney Webb's One Nation Under, Under Black Mal. If you're interested in Epstein's ties to U.S.-Israeli intelligence... The two-volume series is well worth purchasing. Interesting. One Nation Under Blackmail. Um, Volume 2 and Volume 1. The sword union between intelligence and crime that gave rise to Jeffrey Epstein, Volume 1. And then Volume 2 came out uh, October 22nd. So September and October of, of 2022. Uh, let's see. This is from Tom Elliott. He had some other interesting things in his thread. That's pretty much the summary of, of the Epstein stuff coming from that book, One Nation Under Blackmail, which is interesting, by Whitney Webb. Uh, he had a few other things that were interesting out there. It's easy to worry about media companies, says Don Moyahan, deplatforming prominent politicians, but not everything is a slippery slope. Trump represents a unique threat to U.S. democracy. Progressive. We must censor U.S. politicians when they're a unique threat because, of course, progressives will be the ones deciding who's a unique threat to their narratives. New York City forces all city employees to undergo radical critical race theory training. Got that going for New York. Um, Daniel Horowitz. Uh, some crap about DeSantis. A bunch of bunch of media spinning crap about DeSantis and the rest today. I don't know, man. Um, Russiagate truth, truthism still out there. And then, of course, there's, you have Bill Gates uh, letting us know what's coming again. There's this. As the threat from climate change. Well, the next pandemic as urgent now as the threat from climate change. Well, they're very different. You know, climate change just gets 
worse every year as long as you continue emissions. Uh, a pandemic, we're likely to go a fair period of time without either a naturally or intentionally caused pandemic. But when it does strike, uh, you know, we saw it's, uh, tens of millions of lives and tens of trillions of dollars. Fortunately, the cost to be ready for the next pandemic is uh, rounding error uh, compared to what it takes to retool the modern economy uh, to uh, solve climate change. So, uh, you know, preparation for earthquakes, pandemics, uh, governments are responsible for uh, their people's welfare. And, and so a modest investment should make us able to uh, not have a severe pandemic. Next pandemic. So, yeah, apparently there's another one coming, probably right before the next election. That'll be fun. Um, Gates says it's clear that COVID was naturally caused. You know, it's a bad virus and we're going to have natural epidemics. And sadly, we have some unnatural epidemics in the future. Oh, boy. Any doubts about the origins of COVID-19? No, the evidence is, is very clear that it's naturally caused. Uh, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Bullshit. Um, you know, it's a, a bad virus and... We're going to have natural epidemics, and sadly, we may have some unnatural epidemics in the future. Freaking mute button. The evidence is clear that it was leaked and clear uh, that it was created and leaked. Yeah, I'd like to smack that grin off his face too. So anyways, more, more and more to come on that front. Um, same old shit from the MSNBC. Nothing changing from them. I guess that shouldn't surprise anybody, right? Anyways, I'm going to keep moving today because I, I just... A little more on this uh, from Michael Yan. Dr. Obvious to the point. Michael Yan, five hours ago in his substack from Panama. 
You support accurate, life-saving information, not entertainment or endless podcasts to the point. The death vaxes were an obvious trap. I warned at minimum seven months in advance, day after day, don't take it. Any leader who was not warning of the gathering global famine conditions must be dismissed as a quack or a shill. This is no kidding important. Europe and the United States have no borders and are being invaded. Canada and Australia, among others, are occupied territory. Ukraine's war is far out of control, spreading rapidly, could go nuclear. We need new U.S. government leadership or this country will end up in flames and famine sooner than later. I am always in the field and proving amazingly accurate as a consequence. One of my endless warnings about the death vax, seven months in advance before it needed, plunged, and long before droves started dying suddenly, is attached from March 13th, 2020. If you are a young person wishing to marry and have children and have a happy long life, consider what this may have already done to fertility and the health of babies. Stop all vaccinations, everything, measles, tetanus, whatever. The vials all came from the same murderers. Thank you for listening. Michael Yan. Kevin Bass with an article in Newsweek today. It's time for the scientific community to admit we were wrong about COVID. I'll wait. I'm sure that'll happen. Just wait for it. As a medical student and researcher, I staunchly supported the efforts of the public health authorities when it came to COVID. I believe that the authorities responded to the largest public health crisis of our, of our lives with compassion, diligence, and scientific expertise. Boy, aren't you a freaking idiot. I was with them when they called for lockdowns, vaccinations, and boosters. I was wrong. We in the scientific community were wrong. And it cost lives. I can see now that the scientific community from the CDC to the WHO to the FDA and their representatives repeatedly overstated the evidence and misled misled the public about its own views and policies, including on natural versus artificial immunity, school closures and disease transmission, aerosol spread, mass mandates, vaccine effectiveness and safety, especially among the young. All of these were scientific mistakes at the time. If you're naive enough to believe that those are mistakes, you're a fucking idiot. Amazingly, the same, these, some of these obfuscations continue to present day. But perhaps more important than any individual error was how inherently flawed the overall approach to the scientific community was, and it continues to be. It was flawed in a way that undermined its efficiency, uh, efficacy, and resulted in thousands, if not millions, of preventable deaths. What we did not properly appreciate is that the preferences determine how scientific expertise is used and that our preferences might be indeed, our preferences were, very different from many people that we serve. We created policy based on our preferences. Then it justified using data. And then we portrayed our opposing efforts as misguided, ignorant, selfish, and evil. We made science a team sport, and in so doing, we made it no longer science. It became us versus them, and they responded the only way anyone might expect them, by resisting. We excluded important parts of the population from policy development and castigated critics 
which meant that we deployed a monolithic response across an exceptionally diverse nation, forged a society more fractured than ever, and exacerbated long-standing health and economic disparities. Our emotional response and ingrained partisanship prevented us from seeing the full impact of our actions on the people we are supposed to serve. We systematically minimized the downsides of the interventions we imposed, imposed without the input, consent, especially informed consent, and the recognition of those forced to live with them. In doing so, we violated the autonomy of those who would be most negatively impacted by our policies. The poor, the working class, small business owners, blacks and Latinos and children, these populations were overlooked because they were made invisible to us by their systematic inclusion from the dominant corporatized media machine that presumed omniscience. Most of us did not speak up in support of alternative views and many of us tried to suppress them. When strong scientific voices like, like world-renowned Stanford professors John Lonitis, Jay Bacteria, Scott Atlas, or the University of California San Francisco professors Vijay Prasand and Monica Gandhi sounded the alarm on behalf of vulnerable communities, they faced severe censure by relentless mobs of critics and detractors in the scientific community, often not on the basis of fact, but solely on the basis of differences in scientific opinion. When former President Trump pointed out the downsides of intervention, he was dismissed publicly as a buffoon. And when Fauci opposed Trump and became a hero of the public community, we gave him our support to do so. And we and say what he wanted, even when he was wrong. Trump was not remotely perfect, nor were the academic critics of consensus policy, but the scorn that we laid on them was a disaster for public tr trust in the pandemic response. Our approach alienated large segments of the population from what should have been a national collaborative project. Oh boy, more competition at this time slot. Yes! Fuck yeah! More people! More people! We need everybody! Everybody who wants to have a podcast or wants to start a podcast, do it between 4 to 6 p.m. I love it! Yes! And we paid the price. The reins of those marginalized by the expert class exploded onto the dominant social media, lacking the scientific lexicon to express their disagreement. Many dissidents turned to conspiracy theories and a cottage industry of scientific contortionists to make their case against the expert class consensus that dominated the pandemic mainstream. Labeling this speech misinformation and blaming it on scientific illiteracy and ignorance, the government conspired with big tech to aggressively suppress it erasing the valid political concerns of the government opponents. And this despite the fact that pandemic policy was created by a razor-thin sliver of American society who anointed themselves to preside over the working class, members of academia, government, medicine, journalism, tech, and public health, who are highly educated, and I use that word in quotes, and definitely privileged. From the comfort of their privilege, this elite prizes paternalism, as opposed to average Americans who laud self-reliance and whose daily lives routinely demand that they reckon with risk. That many of our leaders neglected to consider the lived experience of those across the class divide is unconscionable, incomprehensible 
to us due to this class divide. We severely judged lockdown critics as lazy, backwards, even evil. We dismissed as grifters those who represented their interest. We believed misinformation and energized the ignorant, and we refused to accept that such people simply had a different, valid point of view, backed by actual research. Imagine that. We crafted policy for people without consulting them. If our public health officials had led with less hubris, the course of the pandemic in the United States might have had a very different outcome with far few lives lost. Instead, we have witnessed a massive and ongoing loss of life in America due to the distrust of vaccines in the healthcare system, a massive concentration in wealth by already wealthy elites, a rise in suicides and gun violence, especially among the poor, and nearly doubling rate of depression and anxiety disorders, especially among the young, a catastrophic loss of educational attainment among already disadvantaged children and... Among those most vulnerable, a massive loss of trust in healthcare, science, scientific authorities, and political leaders more broadly. My motivation, my motivation for writing this is simple. It's clear to me that for public trust to be restored in science, scientists should publicly discuss what went wrong and what went right during the pandemic and where we could have done better, like, you know, with basic scientific theory, maybe, you know? How about that? How about you start with a hypothesis first approach, you search for data that either affirms or denies your hypothesis, and then you move from there. No, we don't do that in our world. We just have a bunch of sheeple going around doing what they're told, like the good little robots Americans are, and the rest of the world for that matter. It's okay to be wrong and admit where I was once wrong and what was learned, that's a central part of the way science works, yet I fear that many are too entrenched in groupthink and too afraid to publicly take responsibility to do this, especially if they have four or five or six jabs and now they're like, oh man, I don't want to admit he was right because God forbid that would, that would convince myself that I'm a fucking moron. Can't have that. You'd rather just convince yourself that you're the smartest person in the room instead of maybe apologizing to those who literally had your best, best health interest in mind, who literally didn't want to see you die because of misinformation and a lack of informed consent. No, we don't do that in our world. We crawl into our little corners of false reality and just stay there because our egos might be hurt because we were wrong. Solving these problems is a long-term requires a greater commitment to pluralism and tolerance in our institutions, including the inclusion of critical, if unpopular, voices. Intellectual elitism, credentialism, and classism must end. Restoring trust in public health and our democracy depends on it. Kevin Bass, doctor and a PhD student at a medical school in Texas, in his seventh year, the opinions are his own and my own added to. <laughs> I'm glad I could uh, get a little laugh out there. But it really is. It really is pathetic. So many of us literally reached out and begged our loved ones, please just read the freaking study. Please. It's right here. Just take a step back from your own self-righteousness for two fucking seconds 
that you're the smartest person in the room always, just take a step back for a second. Read the documented study. No, 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 no. He's just a crazy conspiracy theorist. He should probably be locked up in a padded room. How about you go fuck yourself, you stupid bitch? The best part about all this is goodbye to fucking idiots. That's for fucking sure, man. All of us who tried who tried to no avail to literally try to help loved ones with documented studies showing there's no need for a vaccine for a virus that's 99.9% survivable. Ah, I'm going to go cry in my little corner now and hide from people and just call them crazy. Oh, dear God. He's been praying a lot lately. Oh, dear God. What's wrong with him? We need to put him in a padded room. You think there's any chance any of these dumb fuck people are still listening to me? Doubt it. They're still in their own little corners of self-righteousness where they got the whole world figured out. Hmm. Meanwhile, another day, another group of suddenly died. Oh, do I wish that God lift up those who need it the most, especially the self-righteous dumb fuck sheeple in America and around the world. Pull your heads out of your ass and go to church. Freaking idiots. Anyways, got that off my chest. <sighs> Weaponized the common cold. Yes, they did. New stuff from the Twitter files that uh, came out um, on December 12th and did not get any attention. But I do believe it is worth our time to discuss, so we're going to go to that next, and I'm just going to keep it moving. we got some Durham stuff to talk about, a great article from The Federalist, and a bunch of other stuff to get through as well. <laughs> Damar is dead. Damar is not dead. Deb. Damar is not dead. <laughs> what show were you watching that told you Damar is dead? Do me a favor, please. Never watch that show again. Whoever spent four fucking hours talking about Damar Hamlin and putting out the idea that maybe he's still alive out there, do me a favor. Don't watch those shows anymore. They are purposely misleading you. They are purposely throwing garbage crap your way to keep you distracted from what the important things are happening out there. DeMar decided to address dumb fuck conspiracy theorists that have nothing better to do with their lives. I have a couple of questions. Where is DeMar Hamlin? That's fucking funny right there. I don't care who you are. All right. Um, Twitter file stuff. Much love. I love you guys. That's why you come here, because I'm here to guide you in the right direction. The stuff uncovered in the Twitter whistleblower report is much crazier than anything in the Twitter files, but it's 
much less politically and tribally salient, so it got no attention. Gonna do a thread on some of the craziest things in no particular order, and I have the I have the study here for you guys too as well. Twitter didn't monitor employee computers at all. It was not uncommon for employees to install spyware on work devices. The sauce is with all of this, but in the interest of just getting through this um, in the shortness of time, I'm just going to read it all, and I'll get this thread out there to you guys so you can study it for yourself a little more. Twitter does not have separate development, test, staging, and production environments. At least 5,000 employees had privileged access to production systems. In 2020, Twitter had security incidents serious enough that they had reported to the federal government on almost a weekly basis. Meanwhile, Parag Erwal was lying about how secure Twitter was. Lying to the government agencies like the FTC, the SEC, Ireland's Data Protection Commission, and many others. On January 6th, Mudge, the whistleblower, wanted to take action to prevent potential sabotage by a rogue employee. He learned it was not possible for Twitter to secure the production environment. Mudge did not know, did not want any employees accessing or potentially damaging the production environment. It was at this point when he learned that it was impossible to protect the production environment. All engineers had access. There was no logging of who went into the environment or what they did. Huh. I'm sure that was an accident. Right, Jack? Mr. Mr. Innocent at Jack? He didn't he didn't know anything about that. Hey Frogger, God bless you. Mudge realized that a data center failure could potentially cause the permanent loss of all of Twitter's data. He shared this fact with senior leadership who instructed him not to put it or to put it in instructed him not to put it in writing for the board. Hmm. Interesting. A few months later, that exact uh, eventuality almost came true. And the only Herculean effort by Twitter engineers prevented permanent and irreparable failure. Twitter had no software development lifecycle and misled both the FTC and its board about this fact for a decade. Jack didn't know better. Jack didn't know this was happening. He had he was too busy on Lolita's Express. Mudge informed Ergawal that there were thousands of failed login attempts to Twitter's engineering system every single day. Twitter did not keep backups of employee computers. They used to, but then the system broke and was never fixed. And the execs deci decided this was good because it meant they couldn't comply with regulators. Oh, darn. It broke, huh? That's, that's a good thing, actually. Every new employee has access to data that they do not need to have access to. Oops. Right, Jack? Didn't, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. Twitter is probably still vulnerable today to the Log4j to this day. Log4j is a very common piece of software deployed by hundreds of applications across hundreds of millions or billions of computers uh, worldwide. Contained a previously unrecognized zero-day security vulnerability. Hmm. 
Overnight, a huge number of computers around the globe needed patching or else they wouldn't be, they would be easy for adversaries to exploit. Left unaddressed, the Log4j let hackers break into systems, steal passwords and login information, extract data, and infect networks with networks within malicious software. Log4j was already actively being exploited to compromise computers worldwide by criminals and governments alike. As the most severe computer of vulnerability in years, the FTC instructed companies to pursue remediation and that they could request detailed explanation and data on the company's log4j remediation efforts. In January 2022, Mudge determined and reported that the, to the executive team that because of poor engineering architecture decisions that preceded Mudge's employment, Twitter had over 300 corporate systems and upward of 10,000 services that might still be affected. But Twitter was unable to thoroughly assess the exposure to Log4j uh, um, hack or vulnerability. Twitter does not have licenses for machine learning models it uses in most of its basic products. Wonder where these AI machine learning products came from, DARPA. <laughs> Twitter knowingly allowed itself to be infiltrated by or otherwise a tool of many governments all around the world. The Indian government was rather pissed off about sensitive data. Chinese entities were, were vulnerable. Nigerian government blocked Twitter in June of 2021. A few months before CTO Parwag uh, Ergawal was promoted to CEO, he suggested to Mudge that Twitter should consider ceding to the Russian Federation on censorship and surveillance demands. Shortly before Mudge was, uh, says terminated, Twitter redacted terminated, Twitter received specific information from U.S. government source that one or more particular company employees were working on behalf of another particular foreign intelligence agency. I'm sure Jack didn't know anything about that either. Right, Smart Poker? After Ergawal became CEO, he wanted to present material misleading information to the board, overriding Mudge's objections. Other employees raised similar objections. Ultimately, it seems the material was shared anyway, and Mudge described the presentation to the board as fraud. Wow. An internal review after the meeting confirmed this assessment. Mudge began working on a report to correct the record with the board. As his report near completion, he was fired. He said, that's all I have the energy to go through in this report for now. The Fultz PDF is here in this thread. Very, very interesting that none of these, that first of all, Elon hasn't really highlighted the fact that there were spies inside of Twitter. Secondarily, that none of these journalists have really discussed this um, angle of this. What's good, Sausage Lunker and Nancy Nose is out there. Nana Nose is out there. Excuse me. Good to see you out there. Hey, Sly Foxy, still kind of, stream's still kind of kicking on and off a little bit. Sorry about that. It's, I, it's just, you know, got 10, 10 more streamers streaming during my time slot, and, and now the internet doesn't want to work. It's just, fuck, it's another day in the life of me. Anybody else want to stream it between 4 to 6 p.m.? Go ahead, hop in. Here's the, the full report is in that, the link I just gave you. Here is that full report for the redacted for Congress. So what do you think it's redacted for us for? How many, how many 
government employees, intelligence agents were inside of Twitter, working for Twitter, had access to all of these tools. Redacted, 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 redacted. <laughs> Peter Mudge Zatko is the whistleblower. And as you just heard, was ter terminated for trying to bring the truth of violations of SEC and FTC laws, as well as foreign governments. Rather not happy with Twitter either. Very interesting. The study is, uh, or the report is 85 pages long. And I, not that I have seen, I have not seen anybody talk about foreign intelligence agencies literally working inside Twitter's production environment. So there you go. There's that one out there for you guys today. Bottom of the hour here already, which means it definitely is a whole nother can of worms, my friend. Bottom of the hour, which means it's time to check in with President Trump and within breaking news to see if there's anything new going out there today as we uh, get through the show here today. Thank you all for being here today. Sorry about the beginning. Uh, let's all talk about bioweapons in Ukraine again. Yes, that's important. Uh, Iran threatens three Ukraine threatens Ukraine and suspects with behind Israeli attack and weapons factory. Whatever. Um, Amir Tashfari has a has a really good um, devotional today that I was going to try to fit in, but I'm running out of time here today. Uh, multi weather multi day winter weather ice event unfolding. Uh, with ice spanning 15 states, the worst impacts are going to be from central Texas to western Tennessee as the ice storm that we got here last night is, looks like it's headed south. So I hope you guys are ready for potential power outages and the stuff like that as uh, an ice storm is headed um, to the uh, central states. Yes. Great, Junior. Thanks for going live. That's great. Um, Durham reports. Okay, so Technofog has one new out to talk about Durham. I'm getting ready to, to, to kick over to Durham here right now, so we'll um, we'll 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 cover Technofog's new piece here as well. Trans ice skater. Everyone wants to talk about whatever. Um, YouTube Insider leaks urgent guidance documents sent to employees on how to handle the Project Veritas Pfizer directed evolution. Effective immediately, as you guys know, everybody's getting banned from YouTube again. So, um, Project Veritas making YouTube react. That's interesting. Um, Democrats to take a hard look at Durham's probe. I bet they will. They're saying that, that President Trump weaponized the Department of Justice. So, their projections continue. Uh, beyond pathetic, the left in this country is Democrats in general. You all better get your fucking shit together before we lose our country. Half of Republicans too, for that matter. HBO, the last of us is wrong, whatever. Um, what pisses me off every day? Government. People who ignore the government. People who worship the government. <laughs> nice, Brad. Um, Memphis firing a bunch of people for the bullshit that's happening out there. And Lakeland, Florida responding to a shooting with at least nine victims. Another mass shooting today. Um, top expert sounds the alarm for calls for immediate suspension of all mRNA vaccines. We talked about that. Western Journal already picking up that article. Congrats to them for keeping it moving. Um, a woman was nervous about a man open carrying a gun in Texas and called the police. Idiots. 
Uh, let's see. Kanika's got a new stuff stack about Google out there. Internal Google documents leaked. Um, proof of Google's use of blacklist and machine learning, learning algorithms to censor conservatives and other people like me. That has been released by Kanakoa today. Kanaka, whatever. He's got that out there. I'll show. I'll highlight that here for you guys in just a moment if we have time. Um, did you know that Hillary Clinton has a real body double? <laughs> President Biden will end the COVID-19 public health emergency on May 11th. What kind of retarded date is that? Uh, not sending F-16s to Ukraine and U.S. and South Korea holding tabletop exercises against nuclear threats. Pro-life activist Mark Hawk, who faced up to 11 years in prison for allegedly interfering with abortion clinic, has been found not guilty. President, he was standing out front praying. President Joe Biden will end the health, health crisis on May 11th. DeSantis runs his best hope that establishment candidates like Haley Pompano. Yeah, exactly. All right, so that's about it for out there for breaking stuff. Let's get into um, this Durham talk. Let's see if we can find any nuggets in this Durham talk that's out there today. It seems as if everyone's teasing the Durham report coming and therefore, you know, further indictments are coming and maybe Trump's going to come back now or I don't know. Who cares? You didn't have to do that, man. Thank you, though. Thanks, brother. Daisy Chain's dropping a ship and some prayers and fruit bad and popcorn cue. Thanks, guys, for the gold pill love today. You guys are amazing. Honestly, if you could just share the stream Whenever we go live, that that would do a lot to help uh, bring people into the show. Thank you guys very much. North, North Carolina boys wore sidearms to her funeral. Yeah, I, I mean every I, every day in Wisconsin, I walked around. I have a, it's open carry there, but I have I have a concealed carry too, and I I carried every single day in Wisconsin. All right, um, what else do I have here today? Uh, the Durham stuff. And then uh, Technofog has a new Substack, kind of short, so that's that's all right. So let's see what um, this uh, New York Times hit piece on Durham had uh, that's been put out there. That that's that's usually when you gives you an idea. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if um, if the New York Times is doing a hit piece on something, then you know something more is coming from it, right? Um, so let's see if we can find anything here in this uh, article. Margot Cleveland with a 15-minute read, which means I'm not going to read it all in its entirety. Under the guise of reporting the findings of their supposed month-long review of John Durham's investigation, the New York Times' top three Russian collusion hoaxers, Charlie Savage, Adam Goldman, and Kate Benner, launched a preemptive assault on Durham and former attorney William Barr in anticipation of the release of the special counsel report. Thursday's article, How Barr's Quest to Find Flaws in the Russia Inquiry Unraveled, Proves one part Shuspa and two parts Mendacity in these top six takeaways established. You're going to believe the media or the evidence. Yeah, the media's reporting on, on Russia has been laughable at best. The second bullet point she has is Russia collusion wasn't real. So there's that. Has been proven by anybody who has a brain in their freaking head. And doesn't watch CBS News every day, even though they've gotten better recently. Oh, I watch ABC, actually. ABC News gets it right. You you don't understand. ABC News does a really good job of getting the facts right. You're just a conspiracy theorist moron. Nope, you're the moron. Congratulations for learning the truth. 
Now pull your head out of your ass. No, Durham didn't launch a criminal investigation into Trump. Oh, that's the new thing. Trump's actually under investigation. <laughs> um, what else do you got in here, Margo? Charging Sussman and Danchenko isn't an indictment of Durham and Barr. <laughs> Good point. As, the, as um, they say that these lack of convictions are an indictment of, of Durham. Nope. Simply to get evidence on the record. Using the grand jury's authority is not like lying to spy on an innocent American. Nice. That's her number five bullet point. Bar isn't unethical for sipping scotch. What? Um, what else do we have? All right. So that's pretty much the summaries of the New York Times hit piece, which is obviously not worth our time. The New York Times attack on Special Counsel Durham. Revisionist history from collusion perpetrators. Technofog has this. The summary of that same article that, that Margo was talking about. It's said that Special Counsel John Durham is still writing, if not finishing up, his report detailing the findings of his multi-year investigation. As always, the leaks and the hits are preceding the report. There's an obvious and tired trick from the media when it comes to the discovery of abuses by federal officials during the Russiagate scandal, which stretched from before the opening of Crossfire Hurricane to the conclusion of Special Counsel Robert Durham's investigation, Robert Mueller's investigation. I'm sure you've seen it. The formula is quite simple. Downplay or ignore what is being uncovered and focused on what hasn't been found. We've seen it in the Washington Post from their dim-witted national columnist Philip Bump, whose previous writings discovered an utter lack of knowledge about FISA warrants. And now we see it from Charlie Savage, Adam Goldman, and Katie Benner at the New York Times. Uh, is my, what the fuck did, um, did he, I don't know if he changed it to a, up to a paid sub stack and I don't have my login right now. So that's all we get from that. Anyways, you get the point, right? Anytime you see the New York times trying to get ahead of something, that means usually they know more is coming out on that and they don't want to talk, talk about it. And they want to try to get ahead of the narrative and the rest. So I don't know, man. We'll see. You know, there's a lot of people that are that are that really believe that um, Durham's going to expose all of this classified information to the public, and really anybody who has a brain in their head can tell you a grand jury that's been impaneled that had to get a special security clearance in order to be impaneled to include all of the lawyers as part of Durham's investigation had to get special security clearances to be able to discuss the information. How much of that do you really think is going to be released to the public? But Hey, hope porn sells. So I should, I should tell you that, Oh man, Hillary's going to jail pretty soon, man. And Trump's coming back and Obama's going to get arrested and Fauci's going to get Mo. You just wait for it, man. I know I got secreted sauce. You don't have, Anyways, Biden administration funnels another $1.6 million into a Beijing-backed green energy company over Senate objections, and it just keeps continuing. The Washington Free Beacon finding this one. Lanza Tech has raked in $12 million in taxpayer funds since inking a deal with the China-run energy giant Sinopec. 
And now they sent another $1.6 million to the Beijing-backed green energy company, even after Republicans warned the administration that the investment impacts the national security of the United States. And if there's any more proof that you need that Joe Biden is an agent of a foreign power, specifically China, and should be arrested for treason, tried for treason, and hung in a public square, um, what else do you need? He's a freaking bought and paid for Chinese spy. And he's nothing more than a puppet for globalists as well. But uh, the uh, New York Times wants to talk about temper tantrums. Hindenburg research study that Brian Cates found. Shout out to Brian for continuing to get the good sauce out there. The Adani group, how the world's third richest man is pulling the largest con in corporate history. Great find, Brian. Today we reveal the findings of our two-year investigation presenting evidence that the INR $17.8 trillion or or. United States 218 billion Indian conglomerate Adani Group has been engaged in a brazen stock manipulation and accounting fraud scheme over the course of decades. Gautam Adani, founder and chairman of Adani Group, has amassed a net worth of roughly $120 billion, adding over $100 billion in the last three years, largely through stock price appreciation in the companies in the group's seven key listed companies, which have spiked an average of 819% during this period. Our research involves speaking with dozens of individuals, including former senior executives of the Adani Group, reviewing thousands of documents and conducting vigilant site visits in almost half a dozen countries. Even if you ignore the findings of our investigation and take the financials of Adani Group at face value, its seven key listed companies have 85% downside purely on fundamental basis owning the sky-high valuations. This report goes... On and on and on. But it talks about Jeff Bezos's investment in this Indian company. It talks about the different um, uh, way that they use shadow corps to move money around as they do just every other way. It talks about, um, of course, the green and uh, uh, the green investment initiatives using U.S. taxpayer dollars in foreign company or foreign countries like India. Meanwhile, uh, all of our chickens are being burned every day. Meanwhile, we give another trillion dollars to Ukraine. Meanwhile, people can't put food on their table. Meanwhile, people can't pay their bills. And our government doesn't fucking care about any of us. Zuckerbucks 2.0. We talked about this before, but now it's already going again. Those of you that have influence in your local election areas, please spread the word on this. Zuckbucks 2.0 gears up for 2024. The same nonprofit that funneled $420 million in donations to elections in 2020 is back with a new and improved plan. Dark money is a growing issue in America's elections, especially when it comes to the form of private donations. And yes, the Chicago-based Siddle said its U.S. Alliance for Election and Excellence, Excellence will funnel $80 million to local elections in the form of two-year grants over the next five years. <laughs> Can't make this shit up, man. No wonder everyone gets, gets a loss of hope. Virginia-based Honest Election Projects 
and other election integrity watchdogs in North Carolina, the John Locke Foundation, Florida's Foundation for Government Accountability, are again raising the alarm about Siddle, this time a year before the election. Think anyone will change? No. Same old shit, different freaking day. An incredible ancient discovery been made in Egypt that I want to show you guys. Here is the um, pictures. Um, Rome away from home, 32 pictures. As if Egypt didn't already have enough ancient wonders, an almost complete 1,800-year-old Roman city has been dug out of the dust near Luxor on the eastern bank of the Nile. Archaeologists have uncovered a large grid of residential dwellings alongside a hoard of pots, tools, and bronze and copper coins. The discovery also includes two pigeon towers used for breeding, housing, and raising carrier pigeons. Experts have dated the city to the 2nd and 3rd centuries A.D. when Egypt was the province of Roman Empire and emperors were sometimes depicted as pharaohs. Here's the pictures quickly. Wow. Hmm. So I think this is the top of the, and then they found this like underneath all of it. So very interesting though. Wow. (sighs) Imagine the day of world peace where you can go anywhere you want in the world and visit things like this and you don't have to deal with tyrants. That looks like the um, Mayan uh, sun god ritual thing, doesn't it there, temple? Looks very Mayan there, doesn't it? Wow. Imagine Rome back in the day. (laughs) Hmm. What was that? Wow. Pretty amazing, man. Look at that. Humans in 3rd AD built all that, huh? We are the aliens. (laughs) All right, so there you go. There's that. How much time we got left? Man, time's flying by. Thank you all for being here with me today. I appreciate you all very much. Supreme Court's cowardice allows Colorado to keep prosecuting Christians. Uh, The headline doesn't quite meet the eye. The lawsuit on this was just not done very well. I think more may come from this cake shop um, Colorado uh, lawsuit, and I'm going to kind of pause there on that. Milwaukee County Supervisor resigns amid misconduct uh, questions. Milwaukee County Supervisor has resigned under a cloud of misconduct. Supervisor Yango Zerpa. Hey there, Yango. You look like you're taking too many... Pills for feminism. He represented the county's 14th district. He's leaving to pursue other opportunities. 
Sure he was. Zappa was fired from his other job as a legislative aide for, for state representative Sylvia Ortez Valdez, a Democrat out of Milwaukee, after he was found to have misrepresented his state government hours and failed to complete the duties of the office. <laughs> he had to postpone trips because of high gas prices. Anyways, another resignation, just at the local level, but keeping track of as many of them as I can. Uh, a horrific story coming out of us from the West Coast. Five Christian students were killed and spent the uh, final week attending Bible classes. Arkansas community is reeling after five young um, girls and a boy were killed after a week-long um, Bible study in Jackson Hole Bible College said the Arkansas students had spent the past week sitting in on classes and getting to know this year's student body, as well as catching up with staff who were previous castmates, classmates of the three. And a horrific head-on collision has taken five of our young prayers up to the Arkansas families out there struggling today. A cardinal accused of a sex assault retires from the Vatican job. This coming coming to us from the insider paper today. Cardinal... Canadian Cardinal Mark Ouellette has been accused of sexually assaulting a woman has stepped down from the top Holy See position due to his age. Yeah, he's too old. That's what it is. He was once considered a strong candidate to be Pope, but has been accused of abusing a female intern from 28 to 2010 when he was the Archbishop of Quebec. He was named in court documents in August relating to the class action lawsuit targeting more than 80 members of the clergy archdiocese in Quebec. Much more to come on that as well. Of more, in more than 40 years of trading, I've never witnessed a market fighting the Fed as boldly as this one. Vincent Singerlia from Bloomberg Markets talking about how Market investors are trying to counter the ir irrational exuberance coming out of the market and heavy warnings on all of the market indicators today of a major recession and a market crash coming. As you guys know, we've been waiting for it. Hedge funds are recording record short bonds as market cuts dovish, dovish Fed bets. Record short selling tells you they know what's coming. And there you go. So keep an eye on your stocks, guys. A, a, an impending crash just seems to be inevitable and likely probably leading to another recession. A third grader who has been victorious after a, the school told her to take off her Jesus Loves Me mask, even though she's not wearing masks anymore in school, this third grader and her mother st stood up for what's right. And now finally, the, the school district has changed its policy. And that's what happens when our mama bears say enough's enough. Election is under investigation after votes were double counted in a local election in New Jersey. And now they're going to be getting a, um, a, a full investigation is warranted. And we don't know what's going to happen. But coming out of to us from Monmouth County, Jersey, a local election where... Hey, accidentally, the election software double-counted votes. It's a feature, not a flaw. Catherine Engelbrecht will be going live at 7 Eastern. I will be copping over there right shortly here in about uh, two minutes to hang out with Catherine's stream. Here is the um, locals post if you want to come hang out with us and see what is new on the lawsuits and the other information 
that um, what is what what's the problem here? Okay, whatever. Um, there is Catherine's um, locals. If you want to check that out, should be going live here momentarily. I appreciate you all being here today. God bless you all. Thanks for the prayers. I'm I definitely glad I streamed again. I keep telling myself, don't go, don't stream when I'm in that state of mind, but you guys keep lifting me up, man. And you keep, you just, you guys are amazing, man. And I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I, I really don't. I don't want to stop. I don't, I don't, I'd love you guys too much for this. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to continue to do it full time. And I don't have a vehicle, so I don't know what to do with my life right now. I'm fucked, and I got to get through another month. So I'm going to have to rely heavy on you guys to get me through, and I don't want to do that. But mark my words, whatever happens, um, coming into the summer here and stuff, we're going to try to go do at least mobile events and bring you guys something. I don't know. I don't know how it's what's going to happen, but I'm trying, guys. I'm trying, and I'm just hoping that um, things change as far as the censorship, the dehumanization, the the petty um, crap from our community, pointing fingers and and then being upset because somebody dared speak differently than what you want. The cancel culture that happens in all sides of our society is beyond pathetic, and I just it wears you down, man. It fucking wears you down when you got all these idiots talking about stupid-ass crap every single day, getting huge audiences, getting huge money, getting huge this, huge that. And it's all bullshit, and everybody keeps watching them. It just it gets so fucking old, man. It's, it's such a wear on me and others who have just been dehumanized from the beginning. And I'm just so sick and tired of it, dude. But anyways, it doesn't matter. Whatever happens, it will be God's guidance. That I do know. And I appreciate you all for constantly doing what you can to help lift me up and constantly doing what you can to um, to be here for me. I, I couldn't do it without you guys. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I love you all very much. And um, I thank you all very much for, for lifting me up today as you do every day. And now I will go over yonder, release those scratching for you guys. There you go. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Please keep the prayers coming. And no, I'm not interested in talking about all this. I'm not interested in getting advice. I'm not interested in getting told it's at all. It's just please keep the prayers coming. That's the only thing that's going to help me right now. I thank you all very much for being here. Everyone over there on DLive, Twitch crowd's been on fire. Peace to you. But stream while I'm on the road. I, 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 don't, I don't even have a freaking Hey, car, everybody. Bro. Welcome to... True the Vote Monday all. night God with Catherine Engelbrecht. So um, thrilled that you guys are all here. It is. Treat the word impossible as nothing more than motivation. Relish the opportunity to be an outsider. Embrace that label. Being an outsider is fine. Embrace the label. Because it's the outsiders who change the world.